0: Welcome to My Cousin Jane, a podcast about Jane Austen and her works, with your host Lee Phelan. Welcome back to another episode of My Cousin Jane. Normally, we'd spend this episode talking about Pride and Prejudice Chapter 12, but this chapter is super short at just over 670 words or so. And, frankly, not that much happens. Jane is on the mend, Elizabeth, anxious to leave Netherfield, convinces Jane to borrow Mr. Bingley's carriage, and they leave right after church on Sunday to return home. And that's basically it. There are a couple of reflections on Mr. Darcy's part about how much he likes Elizabeth, but there's not much to talk about. We could talk about Regency church service, but I'm saving those discussions for our Mr. Collins chapters. So instead, I thought we'd make this episode a little more interactive and go over some reader questions and comments. I've gotten a couple of variations on this question. How do you approach research for these episodes? Do you just know a bunch of stuff about Regency times? What sources do you use? So first of all, even though I really like British history, I didn't study it in school. I have a PhD in quantitative genetics, and that program, as you might guess, did not talk much about Regency-era history. It did teach me how to do research effectively and how to corroborate information from reliable sources. One of the things you'll find if you ever do research on Regency information is that false information tends to spread pretty quickly, uh, often without any kind of sources attributed to it. Even fairly well-known Regency writers will fall into this trap. So I try not to take anything at face value, even if it's something published in a popular novel or research text. Even some peer-reviewed research papers sometimes get Regency information wrong. So while I find interesting information in all kinds of places, I don't usually include it in the show unless I can verify the information with what I call my primary Regency sources. These sources include anything written by Austen herself, including her novels and any surviving letters, things written about Austen by her immediate family members, or extended family and friends who knew her during her life and also original books, newspaper articles, maps, and periodicals that were published during the Regency era. I'll also sometimes refer to the Oxford English Dictionary's historical word usage. And this last one is particularly important because sometimes a word's meaning will change significantly over the centuries. There are a lot of secondary sources I really like as well. These include publications by the Jane Austen Society of North America, things written by historic site curators like the Jane Austen House Museum in Chawton, or the Jane Austen Center in Bath, and articles published in research journals, usually on period-specific topics rather than on the Regency era per se. But again, even those sometimes you have to double-check some things. Now there are lots of other great resources out there for learning more about Jane Austen and Regency life in general, and I try my best to mention those specifically on the show when I come across them. Sites like the BBC and Jane Austen's World and countless books that I've mentioned over the different seasons of the show, but I try to never take any information about the Regency era at face value unless I can corroborate it with a primary source. Now, that's not to say I don't get stuff wrong or won't get stuff wrong in the future. And one interesting thing about history is that a specific fact or supposition can be presumed true for a long time, and then a new discovery of some old letter or book can change everything we thought we knew about the subject. So if you think I've got something wrong on the show and can prove it to me by citing a primary source from the time period, please let me know. The second most common question I get is related to the first. It's, how do you plan and record each episode? Typically what I'll do is I'll scan through the current episode's chapter, looking for historical bits that I think listeners might find interesting, or things that would clarify or add extra depth to the novel. As I mentioned, I didn't study British history in school. But at this point, I have read a lot of information about Jane Austen and the Regency era in general, so I can usually spot when something is going to be interesting. But sometimes I'll come across something I've glossed over a bunch of times and wonder about its significance, and that will usually send me down some rabbit hole of research. A good example of this is a discussion way back in episode 5 of season 1, when I talked about Sir Walter's description of Mrs. Clay as having, quote, a clumsy wrist. At first, this seems like a throwaway comment by a vain old man, but digging a little bit deeper, we learned that during that time period, rickets was a large problem, uh, especially for the lower class, due to malnutrition, and that one of the symptoms was skeletal deformities in the wrist. So once I learned that, I knew it was something I wanted to include in the show. Sometimes I'll read something interesting and it'll just stick with me, and I'll make a note about it to include it in a particular episode. This is particularly true with things about Jane Austen's life or her family. Uh, for example, her understanding of the Navy, how it came from her brother's military service, or her, how her understanding of the clergy came from the fact that her father was a clergyman. So once I have a general outline of the different things I want to discuss, I'll go back and make sure I can verify those things with primary sources. I'll then write out a draft script for the episode. Then the next step is to prepare the audio for the clips I want to use in the show. And I've mentioned in probably every episode that I get those from Karen Savage's recordings on LibriVox.org. On the more technical side of things, I use a few different tools from a software company called Rogue Amoeba to do the prep work for, and the recording. These include Fission, which I use for audio editing, Audio Hijack for the actual recording of the podcast, and Farrago, which is a soundboard app that I use for queuing up audio clips and the intro and outro clips. Once the raw recording is done, I clean things up in Final Cut Pro, which is normally something I use for video editing, but its magnetic timelines and audio scrubbing tools make it really great for editing podcasts as well. Once that's all done, I upload a reasonable transcript to the blog at MyCousinJane.com and then post the episode on Buzzsprout, which is the podcast host that I use. Buzzsprout then takes care of syndicating the podcast to various catalogs like Spotify and Apple Music. Each episode probably takes me between 5 to 10 hours to research, write, record, and edit. On the hardware side, the only recording hardware I have is a Blue Snowball mic, though I'd love to upgrade to a Yeti, or even better, an Elgato Wave, and maybe pick up a Stream Deck, but those are down-the-road purchases. And the final question today is, how did you first get interested in Jane Austen? So when I was going to graduate school, I had a pretty long commute, about an hour each way that I'd have to drive several times a week. And I was always on the lookout for new audiobooks that would make the drive less monotonous. Um, And I had an Audible subscription, but I would listen to books faster than my Audible credits could keep up with. And that's when I discovered LibriVox. LibriVox is a fantastic service. They have a bunch of volunteers that provide Uh, narrations of books that are in the public domain, and then those audio recordings also enter the public domain. And one thing you'll notice pretty quickly is that there's a wide variety of narration quality, and many of the more popular titles have several different audio versions, all by different narrators. So I started listening to a book narrated by Karen Savage, I think it was Anne of Green Gables, and when I'd finished that, I looked for other titles that she'd narrated, and then I started listening to Pride and Prejudice. And you know, different people read Jane Austen for different reasons, but there's just something about those books that really helped me to deal with the stresses of being a young father and working full-time or going to school full-time. And I think Winston Churchill said it best when he talks about his own experience having Pride and Prejudice read to him by his wife while he was recovering from pneumonia. He said, quote, The days passed in much discomfort. Fever flickered in and out. The doctors tried to keep the work away from my bedside. They all kept on saying, don't work, don't worry, to such an extent that I decided to read a novel. I had long ago read Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility, and now I thought I would have pride and prejudice. Sarah read it to me beautifully from the foot of the bed. What calm lives they had, those people. Well, that wraps up this special Q&A episode of My Cousin Jane. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to help support the show, please head over to lephalan.com/my slash MyCousinJane, sign up for our newsletter, or click on the little donate button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.